say something, and I, I didn't, forgot to tell you this, Caleb, just to make sure you guys know, for Easter, the 7 o'clock service, it's all family. There will not be children's ministry happening, but during the 9.30, there will be back in the Family Life Center. So if you show up with kids at 7 a.m., keep them with you because there ain't nowhere to take them. <laughs> and you can let them loose with the steers, but I don't think that would go over very well. I am so honored to be here. My name is Amber Noblay, and I have the honor and privilege of serving as the next-gen pastor. And I want to just say that every time Pastor Randy gives me the opportunity to do this, I don't take it for granted, and I just consider it a great honor. He's been in a series called Stress Enough is Enough. And he asked if I would be willing to do part three. And I said, well, sure. Because if I'm being honest, I deal with so much stress all the time. I said, so you want me to just get up there and tell them, I'm stressed. Y'all want to know about it, you know? But like, that's what I want to talk to you about today. But Tuesday night, this last Tuesday night, I had one of the most stressful encounters. Let's just say the most stressful encounter of 2023. Okay, we'll say that. Um, you have to understand the backstory first. So I've, I did the math, and I'm going into my 24th year of doing kids and youth ministry. Now, let me tell you the difference between kids and, thank you. I know, I don't look that old, right? Let me tell you about the difference between kids and youth, kids and teens. Little kids give you the sweetest little gifts. They color pictures. They draw pictures. They write you letters. I got one that said, you remind me of my grandma. I was like, you're not welcome back at church. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, sweet little things. We actually also have kids that love to collect rocks. How many of you guys had kids that were rock collectors? Okay, well, we have all this gravel on this parking lot and we've got kids that are like, that rock's shiny. So in my office, I told Pastor Darla, if you ever need like something filled, I've got like this mound of rocks that I've collected from kids. They're like, I got you this rock. And they, you know, I'm like, okay, thank you. And they come to check to see if it's still there. So that's the kind of stuff I get from kids. Teenagers give the gifts of like when Bean Boozled came out, jelly beans that taste like vomit and grass. That's the kind of stuff I get. But I also, what they love to do, um, they love to scare me and they love to try to make me throw up. Um, sometimes together. I don't, I don't know why. But um, I get, and I'm such a sucker because I get this text Tuesday night. Yeah, I love you. I just want you to know I appreciate you. I was like, Thanks, man. I love you too. And so then they had me hooked. Well, I wanted to show you this video. And I should have known right then, put your phone away. You're about to go to bed. Just put your phone away. But no, I opened the video. This video was how a rat can climb up through your toilet. <laughs> Did you know they can? Oh, well, if you text me and I'll send you that video. Like it, it was traumatic. And so this rat was just like going up the toilet like it's a backwards water slide. And I'm like, why? Why did you send me this? So, and I still don't know why this student sent me. You're like, what kind of student sends that stuff to you? Your kids. Your kids do this. It's you, your kids. And so I put my, I put my phone on the charger. I got ready for bed and I went to bed. Well, if you're still young enough that your bladder doesn't wake you up in the middle of the night, good for you. But I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night to go to the restroom. And I woke up and I looked down at the floor. I, I stepped off my bed and I looked down. Y'all, I'm not joking. There was a rat there. And my blood pressure just, whew, and I'm freaking out. And so, you know how your brain tries to reason with you at three in the morning and weird stuff happens, right? So I'm like, oh, I gotta wake Philip. But if I wake Philip, I'll wake up his blue pit bull. It's Phil's dog, not my dog. Let me preface that. This Phil has a dog. 
and this dog is allergic to itself. And I'm, so my brain at three in the morning is, if I wake up Phil, it'll wake up Charlie. Charlie will eat the rat. We'll end up at the vet $1,000 later because he ate a rat and it almost killed him. And so I'm like, no, no, no. I, don't, I was like, what do I do? I grabbed my pillow. I don't know what I thought this pillow was going to do. I'm, I'm <laughs> perched on the edge of my bed like Schmeagel, okay? And I <laughs> throw my pillow at the rat. The rat didn't move. I was like, it's waiting for me. It's ready for me. Okay, okay. So then I take Phil's pillow. He, you know, he just <laughs> kind of fell over. And I throw that pillow at the rat. And it's still not moving. And I'm like, oh. Then I was like, oh, rational thinking. I grabbed my phone and turned the flashlight on to make eye contact with the rat. It was my running shoes. Now, <laughs> I know, I know you're thinking, does she run? Do I look like I run? No, I just liked the shoes, okay? You're cute. Oh yeah, she looks like a runner. Mm -hmm. But the shoe, they were stacked and the shoestring was the tail. And I'm looking at it. And in that moment, you would think that my blood pressure would go down. I could have got up and cleaned the house. Like I was just, it was awful. And I, you know, there, here's the reality. Stress comes in a lot of different ways, doesn't it? Sometimes it's dumb stuff that doesn't make sense. And sometimes it's really big stuff. But I think one thing we can all agree on is stress is a problem in our culture. It's a problem in our world. It's a problem in the church. It's a problem in our families. It's a problem in us. And I don't think any of us are completely outside of that. So we're going to play a little game. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. because Some of you are like, my knees are bad, lady. Don't have me stand up. So we're going to do the raise your hand game, okay? Raise your hand. And don't lie. You're in church. Raise your hand. And do this online, too, so you could own this for yourself. Raise your hand if you deal with stress on a regular basis. Some of y'all stressed about raising your hand. Oh, this, that, that question stressed me out. I'm leaving. <laughs> Raise your hand if you are the kind of person that has to stay busy. You're just busy, busy, busy. Okay. All right. Okay. Raise your hand if in the last 48 hours you've responded to the question, how are you doing with I'm just busy or I'm so busy or I've been busy, keeping busy, staying busy. Okay. Raise your hand if you wake up tired. Some of you, it's, you just need a new mattress, but some of you, it's stress, right? Um, raise your hand, and this is so me, 150,000%. Raise your hand if you love when plans get canceled. Like, I love making plans. Let's plan it all out. We're going to party every day. And it's like, hey, we're going to have to back out. I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I was, I'm standing there in my pajamas. Oh, I was about to leave the house. Okay. Catch you next time. I don't know why, but busyness has become for many of us, and if this, if I say anything today that hurts your feelings, you're going to be okay. All right? Because it's me too. I want you to understand. I'm talking to me too. But busyness for so many of us has become a badge of honor. Like, we think that we're special because we're busy. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm burning the candle at both ends. Don't you want to be like me? I haven't slept in four years. I'm just the person you want to be like. Yeah, my eyes always twitch out like this. It's because I'm so busy. Aren't I cool? You know? Like, we think it's good. We think it's great to be able to say, I'm so busy. 
But I believe, and I think if you'll stick with me today, you'll see too, it's in the busyness where we become stressed. Now, I want you to understand every adult in this room, your busyness is on you. You are allowed to say no. Now, I know sometimes the business, you're like, look, I got all these kids. You had them kids. <laughs> and if you're like, I don't know how, this is not the time or place, but we can talk about it later if you need to. <laughs> I've got all this stuff. Part of the problem is because we live in this mindset that we have to say yes to everything or that our value comes from what we've put on our plate. My kid, who's four years old, plays 17 sports. Your kid can't even wipe his own rear back down. It's okay. But we've become, we've carried this badge of honor like it's so amazing. And in the business, we become stressed. So in this process of studying for this, I, I went back to some stuff I studied a while back about the Babylonian exile. And I, I know I taught on this a couple years ago, but I revisited some of those notes and it was really cool because um, during the Babylonian exile, a saying emerged and it was, more than Israel kept the Sabbath the Sabbath kept Israel. And I thought that was so profound because they understood something amazing. They understood something that was more profound than you can imagine, and that's this. What you cannot rest from, you are a slave to. What I cannot rest from, I'm a slave to. What we can't rest from, we're a slave to. You're like, girl, I ain't a slave to anything, really. When's the last time you thought you lost your phone? You had a panic attack. Your head spun. How many of us come home from work and we bring work home? Look, I'm not trying to get on anybody. I'm telling you, this is me, all right? We have things that we can't take a break from, and that is something we are enslaved to. I know people who won't go on vacation, not because they don't want vacation, but because they're afraid of what's going to be waiting for them when they get back from vacation. And I'm going to tell you something, that's slavery, if you're not giving your brain a chance to rest, if you're not giving your body a chance to rest, and I'm talking about fully check out, there is a problem. We have a problem. In an instant, instantaneously, Israel was set free, but it took a lifetime to learn how to live free. They were free in a moment, but they took the rest of their life to understand what that freedom was. Liberation wasn't only getting Israel out of slavery, it was getting slavery out of Israel. And here's what I think. We're not much different than Israel, you and I. We're not. Because based on the hands that were raised, y'all remember y'all did that game with me a minute ago? We're overwhelmed by things that are out of our control and things that are in our control. We've got a lot on our plate. A lot of stuff that's necessary and a lot of stuff that's not necessary. So I've got, I, I just really thinking about this, I thought, well, you know, we're going to simplify this today. We're going to look at a few points. And these are really things that it's for me, okay? So I'm basically sharing where I'm at with you. And I feel like probably it'll apply to you as well. So the first thing I, I want to point out is this. We need freedom. We need freedom. And we don't, near, we don't live nearly as free as we actually are. Okay, so I used to, my grandpa used to say, all I have to do is die and pay taxes. Nobody's the boss of me. The only thing I have to, like, what? You have to. I don't have to do anything but die and pay taxes. That was his answer. I was like, that's a t-shirt, grandpa. I don't, I don't know, you know. But the reality is, think about this. What do you really have to do? What do you really have to do? 
Now, if you're a child, if you're a minor, if mom and daddy said that, you have to do that. Or there's consequences. And if mom and dad's, if there's not consequences, thank you for raising people that we're going to put in prison later on. There needs to be consequences. Well, he just said he didn't want to. Oh, I see where my tax dollars are going to be at work in the future. The reality is we all have things that we do that we don't have to do. And let's be honest. Sometimes we let those things take the place of what we should be doing. How many times have we missed out on important things? Like truly God-given important things because we were busy doing things that we thought we had to do. So I have a couple questions for you. My first one is this. What are you enslaved to? I think all of us are different. I think all of us are in different seasons of life. All of us have different things going on. What are you enslaved to? Is it work? Is it fear? Is it keeping up with whoever because they can't have a better truck than you? They can't have a better bass boat than you? Their house can't be better than you? Their Instagram account can't look better than you? Is it your job? Because you just feel like you can't let it go for a moment? Like, what are you enslaved to? Next thing I think we need to look at is we have to learn to rest. Learn to rest. Everybody say learn. We have to learn to rest. It's something that we have to position ourselves to understand and experience. There's a, there's a pastor out of uh, Tennessee that I follow. His name is Ian or Ian Simpkins, and I love him. And I've, he, he did this whole teaching on rest in Adam and Eve, and I thought this was so cool because he said, in the garden, Adam and Eve's first full day was not a day of work. It was a day of rest. I never thought about it that way. God created Adam and Eve in their very first day was the day of rest. Why is that so you're like, what does that have to do with anything? Why, what is that? that? It's cool because rest is not a reward, it's a gift. We've got it backwards. That means we work from rest, not rest from work. We work from rest, not rest from work. Let me say it again. We work from rest, not rest from work. Those of you who raised your hands that you wake up tired, you know how significant that is. Starting your day exhausted. And that's not the way God designed it. That's not how it was designed for men. And I think the order is significant. That our work comes out of a place of rest. That means we've allowed ourselves a place of margin. That means we've allowed ourselves to recognize, hey, guess what? We're not all that. We find, going back to that badge of I'm so busy, I'm so busy, we think that that's what gives us value, but the reality is it's God who gives us value. And you resting, you saying no, me saying no, us giving ourselves a chance to relax is not laziness. It's biblical. God says, hey, chill, take a moment. So my question to you now is, what does your rest look like? I think rest looks different for everybody. Some of you enjoy reading. So finding a comfy place and a comfy clothes to read a book. Some people like to jump on a riding lawnmower and just ride around. That does not sound like rest to me. Some people like to go for a run. <laughs> Again, not rest. There's rats out there. Be careful. What does rest look like 
for you. The reality is this. Whatever rest looks like, it needs to be absent distraction. So if that phone that we're all connected to is distracting you from rest, plug it in and walk away. Young people, if you have friends that get mad that you don't respond to their Snapchat, their, their text, or their be real instantly, get new friends or tell them to get a life. Like, it's okay to not respond instantly. Why do we think that we have, well, I text him five minutes ago. Why didn't he respond? Because he is not tied to you. She is not tied to you. That's my husband. He's at work. Well, he, I need him to know, okay. Like, why do we think the whole world has to answer to us immediately? Why do we, remember, raise your hand if you remember what life was like before cell phones. Does anybody remember that? It was kind of nice. It was kind of nice. Except for when you were a teenager and you had a curfew. I had a keychain that had a quarter on it. My dad said, if you don't call me, we're speeding like crazy people trying to find a payphone. So I can be like, I'm going to be late. You're going to be grounded. Then I'm not coming home, you know. <laughs> what does rest look like to you? Rest can feel, get this, get this. Rest can feel like stress if busyness is how you medicate. Rest can feel like stress if busyness is how you medicate. Example, Nike, no days off. Why is that okay? How many of us go from our work work to our homework and then there's no time in between? I have a friend, she's super hippie, really cool. They got like five kids. And they've got this thing, and that part, I'm not saying it's cool, but that's just how they roll. Um, they have this, this, the way they do things is they have their five-day work week and Saturday's homework week. We get our homework for school done. We get all of our work at the house done. We don't break. We don't stop. And Sunday, no one is allowed to do any work. There's no cleaning rooms. There's no doing laundry. She makes all the food for Sunday the day before. Sunday, they eat on paper plates. There's no dishes going to be done. Nothing is going to be done. No work is done on Sunday. And I'm not saying you go to that extreme, but you know what it's teaching her kids? There's value in rest. There's value in having downtime. There's value in not having someone or something control you. We all need a Sabbath. We all need rest. And it's hard to follow. This might make some of y'all uncomfortable. You're gonna be okay. It's hard to follow God's direction when you've already decided where he should lead you. Y'all you know I'm talking about them prayers? God, this is the job that I'm wanting, so in the name of Jesus, I'm just going to declare that this is the job you're going to give me, and I'm going to make sure I need this kind of salary, and I need this many days. And, and we start telling God what he needs to do in our lives. We say, I surrender all. We say, I give my life to you. We say, God, I want what you want for me. And then our prayer life looks very different than those declarations. It looks like, here's what I need from you, and this is how I need it. I don't know if you've ever prayed that way, but I have. God, if you can just fix them, I won't have to fight them. The earrings stay on, we become friends, just deal with her. Like we have this idea that God is in it just for us and we don't realize that God is in it so that we can be in it with him. And not everything is gonna go your way. And you know what? Not everything needs to go your way. Now I want you to understand something though. 
if we, if we sit here today and we only speak of work ethic, but never what we're going to call rest ethic, an imbalance is inevitable. Now, that goes both ways. This is not justification for lazy people. There's probably somebody here who been like, man, I've been waiting on this sermon. I've been needing somebody to tell me it's okay to take four days off. Praise the Lord. I just, I just love to rest. Collecting that check from the government. Laying in my bed. Just kidding. But you know what I'm saying. None of us, this, is, this is church is full of people who've got work ethic. There is nothing wrong with work ethic. That's necessary. It's biblical. It's biblical. Work. Do your part. But recognize you can't do it all. You can't do it all, and you're not required to do it all. There does, but the opposite side, the laziness, we got to have that balance. Work ethic, rest ethic, work ethic, rest ethic. You know what? People who are working seven days a week, 365 days a year, they think they're killing it. The only thing they're killing is themselves. You're destroying yourself. You're destroying. You got, let, let me tell you something. Mamas, daddies of littles, I'm not saying let your house go. But if you have to choose between a moment of watching your kid learn to ride a bicycle and washing dishes, the dishes will wait. You hear me? We have these moments that we can stop. I was at a roping not long ago, and I watched this dad. He was about ready to go out, and his son goes, Dad, look what I can do. Dad gets off of his horse and goes over and stops and watches this little boy. Dad could have said, boy, I'll be back in a little bit. He didn't do that, and you know what? That boy will forever remember that. They're watching us on our work ethic and our rest ethic. Next point. The example was set. So this verse Luke 5, 16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. In the middle of the day, as crowds pushed him, as people needed him, they were demanding from him. In the middle of miracles and signs and wonders and healings, in the middle of his teachings, in the middle of the most important time on earth, Jesus withdrew. Jesus checked out. Jesus went to the wilderness. You know, I live in a subdivision. We don't really have a wilderness for me to go to. Well, a wilderness in your life is what that means is a place lacking distraction. So maybe you need to put your phone inside and go sit on the back porch. Maybe you need to climb in your closet and put a blanket over your head for a little bit. Whatever that means, Jesus set the example in the middle of the most important stuff, he understood that this requires interaction with the Father. I can't do this without the Father. He sent me, but I need him. So he would withdraw, and he would get in the presence of God, and he would pray. It was his way of finding rest. It was his way of recharging his spiritual, physical, and emotional batteries. And I'm going to tell you something. You may have heard this. You may have seen it. Cross-stitch on a towel, I don't know. But prayer changes things, and it does. Prayer changes things. It changes you. It changes me. When we pray, circumstances might not change, but it prepares us for the circumstance. Prayer puts us the perspective in place of, wait a minute, this stress in my life is not meant for me. God, you got this. 
God, I lean on you. God, I trust you. How many times, how many times do we say we give things to God and we give it to him, but we're holding on to it too? Because we don't fully trust that he'll take it and he'll do what he wants and is going to do with it. So my question for you now is this. If Jesus needed rest, do I? Not a trick question. The answer is yes. You're like, I don't, what, what, what's the answer to that? Multiple choice? No, the answer is yes. Yes, you need rest. Yes, I need rest. If the creator, the son of God, the creator of the universe said rest, look, your day starts, your life starts with rest. In the middle of the most important things, rest. If Jesus needed it, friend, we do too. We need it too. Something I find interesting is Jesus was never in a hurry. If you study out the gospels, like Jesus was just chill. He's like going through life, showing up at parties. He's like, what's up? What y'all need? Oh, bring me some water. Party's back. Oh, he's dead? How long he been dead for? Oh, yeah, I heard about that three days ago. Hey, get on up. You're all right. Like he was so chill. He was so chill. His entire ministry, y'all get this, it'll change your life if you'll get this. His entire ministry was done at a pace that allowed him for community, celebration, solitude, and rest. Jesus wasn't running through the Bible. He wasn't running through the villages. He stopped for kids, y'all. He stopped for little kids. Because Jesus saw the value in the moment. He saw the value in rest. And because his perspective was, I'm not getting stressed I've been talking to God. I understand my assignment. I can only do what I can do. He wasn't allowing himself to get. No, did obviously, yes, in the garden, when the weight of the world was that stress, yeah, but he signed up for that. No one in this room is God is asking you to take on the sins of the world. That's already been done. You can't take on everything that, well, my children or my parents or my cousin or my friends. Jesus died for them. That's not on you. Love them and put that stress in his hands. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 reads like this. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary. Not some, but who? All who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. I love the way the Message Bible reads this verse. I wanna read this to you because if you've never read this passage in the Message, it's beautiful and man, it hit me right in the heart. Get this, it says, are you tired, worn out? burnt out on religion, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How many of y'all need that? How many of y'all need to start giving all this mess that we're carrying back to the one who paid the price for it to begin with. So I'm gonna break it down for you real quick. 
First thing you need to know, stress is a result of not enough rest. Simple. But I get sleep every night. You're missing the point. Rest is not sleep. Rest is removing yourself from the thing that is enslaved you. Rest is a gift from God. Rest is not something you've earned. Rest is something God has given you. And it doesn't matter what season of life you're in, the season of toddlers, the season of a new business, the season of a business that's going under and you're trying not to let it, the season of brokenness, whatever. That season, you, friend, we can find rest in that season. We can find rest in those moments. Rest comes from spending time with Jesus. It comes from being in his presence. Y'all, I'm telling you, if you think spending time with Jesus is showing up on Sunday, he's available to you every day, all day, anytime you need him. You don't have to step foot on this property to encounter Jesus. The Bible says call on him and he will answer. In the most broken, scared moments of your life, call on him. In the moments of celebration, call on him. In the moments of loneliness, call on him. On the moments of fear, call on him. Our problem, and I'm not judging you, I'm saying me, my problem, maybe yours too, is that we embrace those moments and we call on him too late in the game. We invite stress, we invite all this stuff in and then we're like, oh, I need God. He's like, yeah, you needed me in the front side, friend. You needed me in the very beginning of this. I have been present. I am there. Nothing that you face, nothing that I face is something that's a shocker to him. He gets it. He sees it. He understands it. And recognize this rest. Now, y'all got to get this. Rest does not equate a lack of difficulties. Rest does not equate a lack of difficulties. But it makes sure that even though we have difficulties, the difficulties don't have us. I want to tell you guys a story, okay? Y'all with me this morning? I think sometimes, and churches, what's Pastor Randy call them? Foo-foo? Foo-foo churches? I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Okay. Sometimes churches, sometimes Christians do a really bad job at painting a picture that if you have Jesus, life is easy. That's a lie. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that they hated him. They're going to hate you too. Cade, you go in public today, getting baptized, the enemy hates you. He hates you. He hates us. He hates everything about us. He hates us because God loves us, and he hates us because you and I were designed for purpose. We were created to be a force in this world. I don't care how old you are, how new you are to this, you were created for purpose. None of us were meant to just suck air. What's your purpose in life? Just to suck air until I die. No. You have purpose. And the reality is, I think, we often think, well, God's here, so nothing bad's going to happen. How many of y'all know sometimes bad things happen? Now, let's be honest. How many of y'all have questioned God when those bad things have happened before? Me too. I think there's a reason that we get God involved in the front side. There's a reason we get God involved in our story. We, there's a reason we pray over our children. Friday, 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 I was at the fairgrounds all day. We had the pig show, big deal, okay? Um, 
<laughs> it actually is a big deal. It's fun. Um, and then that night we had rodeo. We had kids that were mutton busting and they were doing all this stuff. And I had a kid that was bronc riding. It was really cool. And I get a text from my good friend that didn't make a lot of sense. She just said, Camry was in an accident, leg stuck, can't talk. Pray, pray, pray. I'm like, was she on a horse? Was she in a car? What can I, What are we talking about here? Like, I had no nothing. So I just said, God, you know, you know what's going on. About 15 minutes later, my phone rings and it's Camry. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I answer. I'm like, hey. She is sobbing. She's calling me from the back of an ambulance. I'm like, what's what's going on? I don't I don't know what happened. PA. I don't. I said, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Let's pray. Let's pray right now. So I'm standing next to the funnel cake stand. And they're trying to give me samples. And I'm like, in a minute. <laughs> and I'm praying with this baby girl. I still don't know what's going on. Then her daddy calls. Cameron and Colt, her little brother, had run to the store. And they were coming home. And they didn't see a truck coming. And they drove out in front of this truck. And this truck going about 55, 60 miles an hour plows into them. I want to show you. I, want, I need you to see what I saw when dad started texting me pictures. Go ahead and show us that first picture. Okay, you can move to the next one. There it is, okay. And the next one. And the next one, that seat, that, it's half the, that right there, the picture's half the size. What you can't see is the doors wrapped around the steering wheel. If her hand would have been there, her hand would have been crushed completely. Next picture, that truck, that big white truck, that's what hit them. Dad's sending me these pictures. And I'm going to tell you something. These people, man, they are God-fearing people. Am I going to sit here and tell you they were like, it's good, God's got this? No, their babies were in an accident. They didn't know what was going on. How do you think you would act? Would you have been stressed? Yes. Would you have been afraid? Yes. Would you have been overwhelmed with the what-ifs of fear? Yes. Why? Because we're human. But here's what they did that we don't always do. They immediately called on Jesus and they called on the church. Pray, pray, pray. So I called Phil. I said, I need you to get to Children's Hospital as soon as possible. He jumps in the car. He goes. He gets there. And you know, they got two kids in the back. They're only one parent. And Blake's like, there's two kids. There's two parents. We're like, what are you going to do with that little boy? Phil walks up. He's like, I got him. So I get a text from Phil. Corey and I are eating ice cream. I'm like, sounds good. These two babies. In that moment. I need y'all to get this. You say, this wreck, this wreck really doesn't pertain to me. Honey, this wreck pertains to all of us. Because life happens. Bad things happen. The enemy's out to destroy. The enemy wants to kill the call of God on your life. He wants to kill your witness. He wants to kill your joy. He wants to kill your children. He wants to kill your faith. He wants to make you question, if God is really good, then Why? But see, that's the problem. He doesn't know what we know. He doesn't know that when we call on God and we get Him in, we rest in Him. When our rest is in Him, when we start it off with Him, that when bad things happen, He is involved. 
That doesn't mean that you don't have feelings. It means those feelings don't have you. That doesn't mean that you don't have moments where your emotions are spiked. It means that you get things in check and God gets in control. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Those babies walked away with nothing more than deep bone bruising. We know that's, that feels as bad as a, as a break. Deep bone bruising and some scratches. Don't tell me. Don't you tell me that the power of a praying mama and a daddy and a grandma didn't get into action when that happened. The coolest part about the story is there was a pastor's wife in the little church across the street saw it happen and she grabbed the phone and said, I'm with your kids. They're okay, they're gonna be okay. Her leg is stuck, they're gonna get her unstuck. She's gonna be okay. Friend, I don't want you to walk out of here scared to let your kid in a vehicle. I want you to walk out of here going, hey, no matter what happens in this world, if I trust in God, he has the final say. It doesn't really matter what happens in this world. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. It doesn't matter who's president, who's not president, how much taxes are. It doesn't matter the price of eggs. None of that stuff matters because you can't control it, right? But you can line yourself up. So I can be so stressed about this or I can trust the creator of the universe. And I can pray and I can talk to him and I can put my faith in him and then that's when I rest. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, scripture says, he, God, will raise a standard against him. Bow your heads with me all across this room. More than the nose on my face, I believe there's a call on those two kids that walked out of that wreck. I believe there's a call on that family and I believe there's a call on you. I believe that the enemy would love for you to think that your life is too hard, that your circumstances are too rough, that your bad choices in the past are too defining. That what God has for you, maybe you missed your opportunity. And I'm here to tell you right now, friend, that is a lie from the enemy. The enemy would love for you to think that you missed that opportunity. But the Bible says that God hears us. He sees us. He understands the brokenhearted. He's in pursuit of you from the very beginning. And up until the day we die, for people who don't know him, he's in pursuit of their heart. So I'm gonna ask you a question right now. If you're in here right now and you can say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm pretty stressed about it. Well, you should be. That's something to be stressed about. Not knowing the creator, that's something to be stressed about. I don't have a relationship with God. I need to get that right. Friend, I wanna pray with you. It's the most important decision you will ever make. If that's you, can you raise your hand so I can pray with you? Is there anybody in here this morning that doesn't know Jesus. Okay, I'm gonna ask another question. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, I know Jesus. I have a relationship with him, but my goodness, I need to give him my stress. There's stuff I'm carrying that, you're right, lady. I haven't fully surrendered that to him. And it's because I've just thought I needed to take care of work and I needed to provide for my family or I needed to deal with this because I started this. I got to finish it. Whatever your excuse is, you're in here right now and you know there's stress in your life, big or small. And you know you need to surrender that to God. Online, if you know you need to surrender that to God, will you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Me too. There's a lot of us. 
Can you guys stand? Can everybody stand all across this room with me? I want to pray, but I don't want this to be my prayer. I want it to be our prayer. Because what I believe is we're all going to get in our little vehicles. We're going to go get lunch, and we're going to go home. And all of a sudden, stress is going to come knocking at the door. You got to get, you got to get, you got to get. And I think we have to be equipped to be like, hold up. I get to decide. God, what do you want? God, where are you leading? What are you doing in this situation? So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to repeat after me. And let this not be a prayer that I'm saying you're repeating. Let these words come from your heart, especially those of you who raised your hand. Dear Jesus, today, I give it all to you. You see where I'm overwhelmed? You see where I'm stressed? You see where it's too much for me? And I recognize I can't do this without you. Forgive me for trying. Forgive me for holding on to things that I should have surrendered. Help me, Jesus, find peace. Help me, Jesus, find rest. Help me, Jesus, to not wear the badge of busyness, to work hard, but to rest hard, to be a man or woman that sets an example for the generation coming up behind me for my family, for other believers and non-believers. Thank you, God. I have a purpose on this earth. Help me to not be so busy doing what I think I need to do that I miss out on what you need me to do and who you need me to be. Help me to rest in you. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for loving me. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, we've got a prayer team. If you need further prayer, come pray with them. But I encourage every single one of you to leave here with just a chill attitude that God's got this. He's got this and he's got me. And there ain't nothing in the world that the devil can do to stop the goodness of God in my life. You guys are dismissed and we will see you next week. We love you. Have a wonderful week.